In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... Brought to you this week by The Pareto Principle. Welcome in to episode 80 of The Gospel Friends. I am Reverend Verbage. I am Chase Captain Crunchy Thompson, wishing our listeners could have a uh, the same view of our beginnings as, as we do. <laughs> Bammer Homer. Because they're missing some great things. And show prep today has made me revert back to my original alias, Nuclear Nick. <laughs> I don't blame you. Bama Homer too. <clears throat> Roll Tide, Paul. Go ahead. God. Oh, wait, no, we're supposed to ask uh, Pareto Principle. That sounds interesting. Are you Look sure at, that's how you say it, by the way? Yeah, I went and looked it up on that, one of those pronunciation websites. <laughs> oh, okay. what could possibly go wrong? W- what is that? Because I get, I get so much flack for not being able to pronounce things. The Pareto Principle, also known as the law of the vital few, states oh, oh, that the for... the principle of factor sparsity. sparsity. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That would have been better if you could have actually said it. Dang it. States that for many events, roughly 80% of the effects come from 20% of the causes. That's interesting. So 80% uh, of the work in a church is done by 20% of the people, correct? Uh, well, that's uh, some people have said that, yeah. I've 80, that. 80%... Um, uh, in, in business, 80% of your sales usually come from 20% of your clients. Pareto developed More commonly known as the 80-20 rule. Uh, okay. Yes, 80-20 rule. He, he, he developed it saying 80% of the land in Italy was owned by 20% of the population. That was where it originally came from. Okay, so this is like kind of a 1% thing, but a little less drastic. Yeah, I was trying to think of something um, that uh, uh, in, the, in our state right now, Eighty twenty. Um, I can't wait. I can think of something in your house that would apply to that. What is that? Well, eighty percent of the times you want to uh, that somebody in the house wants to make out, it's you, and twenty percent <laughs> of the time, it's your wife. Is that about right? Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to answer that. Well, that's, that's okay. Well, that would be a that would be stupid. Probably. She listens to the show, so. Eighty percent of Janet doesn't listen. Chase, how's that ratio in your house? Yeah, you know, no comments. Eighty <laughs> percent of the arrogance in this state comes from roughly twenty percent of the people. Of the, yeah. of the so there's you, about twenty percent of twenty percent twenty percent of the population of Alabama is Alabama fans, right? That's, that sounds about right. <laughs> okay, but, but, I think uh, your principle holds that. Look, it couldn't be more than that because if it was more than that. Um, you would have to move. Yeah, I okay. mean, the state could not hold that much arrogance and probably not. large heads. Well, according to the schedule, we're not supposed to do college football yet. So, okay, let's talk about something else. Yeah, I'm gonna drink coffee, and I, I have kind of a cold, so you may hear coughing in the background. I'm you sure sound that's... terrible. Are you okay? I'm fine. You seem like you're in a bad mood. Or... <laughs> I'm not. I'm very you happy. Just seem today. down today. This week is great. Uh, there was a time. <coughs> Good heavens, man! What's someone, wrong with some, you? Uh, David someone was so broken hard. Bought me a sandwich today. That was nice. Oh well, if I had the laptop hooked it's up, probably I'd an arrogant YouTube Alabama video. fan. It was an arrogant Alabama fan, okay. and I was very thankful for his. Which one of them buying me of a sandwich today? 
God bless those arrogant Alabama fans that are constantly. My friend Chase bought me a sandwich today. (laughs) Wow. I wasn't sure if it was your arrogant Alabama fan friend Chase or arrogant Alabama fan friend John. Yeah, either one. Both of which I My arrogant friend John just went and got lunch and. Ah. Yeah. Left me high. I appreciate you, my Auburn friend, that knew I was going to be here asking what I would be interested in having for lunch. You know, the funny thing is. Our arrogant friend Chase actually asked us on the way out of the parking lot, should we stop and ask, check on Nick and see if he needs anything? And your humble Auburn friend David said, no, he knew he was going to be here today. I'm sure he made plans for lunch. (laughs) So Chase was looking out for you. I appreciate you sharing that. And David made me a speed bump on his way, too. Well, I did. I was like, Chase, let's get on to that free sandwich. You yes. <laughs> We're wasting time. Well, I feel victimized, not dissimilar to a young man who... Um, Segway. Yeah, trying. Well, working that's, on it. That's pretty, that's pretty I was good. working on it. A young college student... I'm going to try to get through this without laughing. Uh, felt victimized by a sermon about none other than... 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, I'm in the room with a couple of theologians. Can anyone give me a quick rundown of what 1 Corinthians 13 is commonly associated with? It's Love. commonly associated with the cessation Marriages. of spiritual gifts by oh, some right. people. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Um, is that what you were looking for? No. Oh, it was man, it bad. was Reverend McConnell, which for you to come up with the idea of love today after pre-show <laughs> prep is, is a little impressive, but... Um, To quote the article, it appears that this young scholar felt offended because a homily on love made him feel bad for not not showing love. In his mind, the speaker was wrong for making him and his peers feel uncomfortable. Wait, what is this about? Where's this coming from? I actually saw this story. Did you? Yeah. Okay, give me the context again. Where was he at? College? It was college. Is it a Christian college where they have to go to chapel or something? Yes. Okay. So before we get too far in, um, this is a segment. I'm borrowing it from Chase, so I did a little bit out of order. Okay. But I wanted the segue, and it seemed good. Um, so with that little introduction, we're going to say big deal, little deal, or no deal. Um, okay, puny, little, uh, not yet in the real world college student at a religious college goes to chapel and hears a sermon and he gets offended. I'm going to go little deal. Okay. Chase, even though you sent us the article, we're going to ask that you pretend that you're getting this fresh. Are you going to say big deal, little deal, or no deal? I'm going to say no deal. Okay. All right. So to pull back the curtain, um, it would appear... If it's Sanford, I'm going to laugh. <laughs> I do not believe... Uh, it's a Wesleyan school. Oh, really? Second mention of, of Wesleyans here today in the Holocaust. Yes, you mentioned the Wesleyans during your message today. So... Um, you were listening. I'm, I'm impressed. This author, Mr. Rod Dreher, Parsley Dreher, sorry, Dreher, D R E H E E D R E H E R, playing the role of David today. Yeah, that would be Nick. Yeah, I'm not able to pronunciate things. Apparently, I should have dosed up on a little bit more caffeine before starting the show, but alas. Um, all right, so I think your very large beard is getting in the way. <laughs> I think that's the problem. Is that what it is? Yeah, grizzly. We're not in no shave November. Grizzly anymore. Jenkins. I have. I have trimmed since November. Okay, what do you want good. from me? Not nothing. Golly, it's a nice care. beard. I mean, it is. So I'm gonna be honest. I kind of want to see if it's as smooth as it looks. Lean your head over here. I don't think I will. Wait a minute. <laughs> 
So we need some romantic music playing? No, for, no, for we don't. Moment. I've just been thinking, like, it looks, like, real fluffy and... Hey, look, the discussion of So if, have we figured out what we need to do and holy to really kiss spice? this next episode. Oh, okay. Woo. All right. All right, we're going to go with Rod D, since apparently I cannot okay. pronounce this gentleman's last name. Dr. D. Doctor, well, he's, he's a doctor. talking about it. Is he a doctor or is he talking about a doctor? I'll not pay attention to it. Rod wrote an article, Dr. Everett Piper, A Man Among Boys. So uh, what Mr. Uh, whoops, not Mr. Uh, Rod D was um, beginning to uh, push back against is the culture on college campuses of everyone is a victim, um, everyone is taken advantage of, and everybody wants to protest. And Dr. Everett Piper, um, president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University, uh, basically pushed back on this mentality. Go after, Horned Frogs, by the way. There you go. Really? I thought that was TCU, Chase. Oh, my bad. Wow. Okay. I was close. Um, and so basically this young man comes up to him um, saying he has been victimized. He and his friends feel uh, taken advantage of or, or made to feel bad because they don't love enough. And Dr. Piper had had enough. And uh, he said, I have a message for this young man and all others who care to listen. That feeling of discomfort you have after listening to a sermon is called a conscience. An (laughs) altar call is supposed to make you feel bad. It is supposed to make you feel guilty. Oh, wow. That's an interesting statement. (laughs) The goal of many a good sermon is to get you to confess your sins, not coddle you in your selfishness. The primary objective of the church and the Christian faith is your confession, not your self-actualization. Um, that is merely the beginning of Dr. Piper's, uh, what we will go on to say, tirade. And so... I might want to uh, go back and change my... <laughs> well, and so I will I will say um, it was it was a good, um, good letter. It was a good statement of just purpose from, from a man tasked with the raising up of young people in an age that wants to coddle honestly. Um, and he is a man who's not afraid to stand up and say, nah, my job's not to coddle. My job's to make you a young man or a young woman. And um, for me, I actually will, um, in the style of Chase Thompson, say, I think this was a big deal. The fact that he was he was willing to go out on a limb when presidents are resigning from universities before all the facts of a situation are sometimes even known um, in order to appease the student body. I think someone, especially with something as trite as getting hurt feelings over First Corinthians thirteen, um, standing up and making a public statement about it, I think that's a big deal. So, hey, are either one of your Google Chromebooks running slow today? Uh, nope. Okay, so it must just be mine. Must be your Google Chromebook. No, my footrest is doing exactly what it was designed to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the 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 young man who felt victimized by a sermon. All right, first of all, if you have enough gall about you to go up to someone who's just spoke and say, your sermon made me feel like a victim because you offended me and my, my thoughts on love. You made me feel bad. That, that young man has probably been spoon fed his entire life and never been told he was wrong about anything. That's, that's my thought uh, about him. And that's, um, that's just insane. But I am going to say that um, as far as Mr. Uh, Piper here, um, Dr. Dr. Piper, sorry, um, I really don't agree with, I mean, an altar call is supposed to make you feel bad? Really? 
I think I think what he means. An uh, altar call is supposed to make you feel bad. It is supposed to make you feel guilty. Well, I mean, I think in a sense that um, God's kindness leads us to repentance. That that there is there is a sense that our sin, which an altar call would call you to turn away from your sin, it is a sense. There's a sense that. Our sin would make us feel guilty because we are guilty. Yeah, but you just said God's kindness leads us to repentance, not guilt. But it, well, okay, I, I agree. That, and in fact, I think I think we overdo guilt. But I do think guilt is the proper response to sin. I mean, I think we are guilty. I, I think a, a type of 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 message that would remove the fact that we are guilty and we are called to repent is is a bit weak although manipulating people with guilt as you say is also a bit yeah weak. i just i am not going uh you know olstein here um and just want to smile and sure we come. know you won't go olstein you live there that's fine olstein 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 uh but i'm just thinking that that's just an odd statement i i would i think Automatically saying an altar call is supposed to make you feel guilty, I think, is is about like saying an altar call should never make you feel guilty. I mean, really, it should be that you present the gospel and whatever, hopefully God does a work there and someone, you know, something, they respond somehow. Second Corinthians 7, 10, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation Worldly sorrow brings death. So this man-made guilt would just lead to com- condemnation. And a godly sorrow leads to repentance, but only God can can bring that. So I just I don't know. I just find but that odd saying. I do like what you're saying there. I find that odd saying that an altar call should make you feel bad. Not necessarily. And I and I get the I get what you're saying about the overarching. Every altar call should make you feel guilty. I I do believe more often than than as a rule happens in in churches in 2015 I think people should be confronted with their sin and the fact that we are sinners only saved by grace and that without repentance bad things happen and and too often it's if you have a need if you're hurting if you need hope meet us at the altar today eh that's not, that's not the whole story. That's a little weak. And so I, I, do, I do understand where he's coming from, especially in the context of everything he's saying. Um, we don't have an altar. We have pink carpeted stairs that lead up to the place where John plays worship. Yeah, speaking of weak, our altar is, is pretty weak here. I, I, I would, if I would throw out, I would like to mention one little quote. Can we get a little bit of context on that? Because I don't... <laughs> the altar at, at Agape. There's the stairs physical. The fr- yes, yes. Right. What okay. you would call the altar. Okay. We don't really call it an altar. We just kind of call it yeah, pink we steps. Well, I, I call it the altar. I, say I call it the pink steps. You go, if you want to come to the pink steps. <laughs> yes. I'm like, well, everybody knows what they are. Just yeah. call it. Everybody knows what you mean when you say altar. Well, it's a weird altar. I agree with you on that. Nicholas, I, I agree with the, the last part of his sentence. I mean, the goal of many a good sermon is to get you to confess your sins. I understand yeah. that. Uh, not coddle you in your selfishness. And I realize he was going on a rant, but I just that that an altar call is supposed to make you feel bad really kind of jumps out at me. 
One positive thing in his letter that jumped out at me is he said, at Oklahoma Wesleyan University, and by the way, eagles, not horned frogs, we teach you to be selfless rather than self-centered. We don't believe that you've been victimized every time you feel guilty, and we don't issue trigger warnings before altar calls. Oklahoma Wesleyan is not a safe place, but rather a place to learn. And look, I'm very aware that I'm about to sound like an old codger or whatever, but I I have Cranky seen old man like yourself exactly. Uh, I have seen so much emphasis here lately, especially in colleges, on safe places and avoiding trigger warning. You know, and, and, and issuing trigger warnings when you're talking about controversial things. And look, the last thing I want is somebody who has been sexually abused to be exposed to more abuse through words that dredge up that pain. At the same time, we are creating people and, and young people that uh, are are so guilt-averse, so pain-averse that they're, they're looking for safety everywhere. And the fact of the matter is, big people world, it's not safe. You're not going to be treated safely everywhere you go. And if you don't kind of begin to learn how to be a person of character, a person of strength, how to bear up under persecution in the formative years, I fear for our young college students. Now, tough tough guy like Samuel Lovell, I mean, I think he's going to be good. He's a college student. He's got, uh, he's got a backbone. But um, I don't know. I, I fear for the college students right now. Well, I, I, I definitely agree with, with that. Yeah. I, I, I just think this guy maybe went a little bit too far in trying to make a point. The primary objective of the church is your confession? Okay. That's uh, not true. That's probably not true. The primary I, objective of the church is not the confession of people. The primary objective well, of the church is submission and glorification of Christ. Sounds like Dr. Piper's violated your safe place there, David. No, I just, I mean, I understand. You, you. Should, have, you should have issued a trigger warning, Chase. Uh, you, yeah, go just, on a, yeah. you go on a rant and you go to try to make a point and you, you know, you probably say things you don't mean. I was afraid this article would be a little hard for David. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I get it. By the way, the Gospel Friends Life verse is in 1 Corinthians 13. Did you guys know that? I did. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. <laughs> and that's all. <laughs> I look forward to the day when we grow up. That day is not today. No, it is. I not. have a feeling you just will. You're getting a lot of amens from certain listeners of the show, though, who believe that young people are coddled. Coddled. Hashtag yes, Nathan yes. Martin. Um, right. <laughs> Shout out to Nathan. There you go. Um, all right. Well, speaking of children, I do believe as we move into our next segment, we have a childlike snack. Uh, what? Childlike snack. Okay, that sounds cereal interesting. Cereal review, man. We have a cereal review. Oh. I like children. They are the, our future. We're done with BDLD? Okay, that's that's how we're going to make this an hour show. We were just going to do We're not supposed to thing. tell people that we're making this an hour show oh, today. My now everyone just got angry. Ooh, I meant... Good job, Chase. Dang, sorry. We probably really won't be an hour show. Not a chance. I always tell secrets. At some point, I'm going to go back. Are we doing a cereal review? With David about that? No one pulling back the curtain. I have no idea what we're doing because I wasn't on the call Friday to discuss. Well, so. you could have been. I could have. I have a job. A job. I, I have three job. jobs. That didn't stop me from anything. You also could have looked at the Nick's show. Nick's got doc. a job. Sometime yesterday, while Alabama was I playing, have two and you jobs. Had anything else to do? I was cleaning out the gutters of my house yesterday for like two and a half hours. Wow. That's where I got all these cuts on my hands. 
They hurt. Yeah, ooh, that looks. I was not coddled. Visible. <laughs> okay, what is the cereal that we are reviewing today? Oh, well, Nick. Uh, By the Nick way, actually bought this I, for us. Hey, could I? Could I? I'm just a- answering your question, man. Oh, go ahead. What is it? <laughs> Live G free, double chocolate front crunch, uh, gluten free. Brown rice flakes with semi chocolate chips. When's the last it's time? Be horrible. That, when is the last time we? When is the last time you had me go up to my house and get the milk for this? Yeah, and you brought it down in a jar. That's kind of weird. Mason jars, just like the old days. Hello, eighteen seventy. Hey, um, I brought much more milk than we're going to need. When's the, when's the last time we reviewed a decent cereal? Oh, geez. Well, weren't these okay? If you're those value time. I don't even think we ever mm-hmm. reviewed them. All right, if you're listening uh, to the Gospel Friends for one of the first times here, at episode eighty, uh, we, stick around; it gets better. We enjoy cereal, and yep. and and we've made that known since almost the beginning of uh, our existence here on the podcast. Yep. And and we often will review cereal that either we buy. Uh, finding interesting or that people send us. We have had cereals sent to us from as far off as Hungry. Hu- hungry. Yep. Shout out to Josh. Josh. And uh Armstrong, right? Armstrong, yes. Yep. So we will uh so we will do cereal reviews and we give them uh we, we base it on um up to five spoons. And I don't think we've ever had a five spoon cereal on the show. I'll, I think we've had up like four, four and a half that one of us have given. But uh, while we uh, get the cereal ready, I'll let you pour in the cups. Uh, crinkle, 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 crinkle. I will. Uh, I'll mention a couple of ways that you can reach us. Nick would be um, the Twitter at the my Twitter. gospel friends. Yeah. Uh, if you want to send us a tweet, you can also email us thegospelfriends at gmail dot com. And uh, we love hearing from you and you sending us correspondences. Of various Co- kinds. Correspondences. Correspondences. We actually got a correspondence this week. It's going to be. <coughs> we also would love a um, a good iTunes review if you have never given us one. Are you thirsty, David? I am a little. Why don't you tell people how to get an iTunes review while I turn my head and cough? All right. Um, so if you go to iTunes, you can give us a review. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I just. I just. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was awesome. Hey, just just for the record, before we get into the iTunes review, we do not engage in those type of shenanigans in the Hall of Dogma ever. You want to turn uh, your head and cough? You do it in your, the privacy of your doctor's office. Trigger warning or not? <laughs> oh my! This episode is spiraling. Out well, in this control. case, I really had to turn my head and cough. <laughs> Again, privacy, discretion, modesty, sir. Um, so yeah, iTunes, uh, the iTunes review does a lot to kind of help us in terms of other people hearing about the show. So, uh, if making you us like, famous, or at least mo- mildly entertained by what rich, you hear, which is throw us a review over a prime there. goal of our show, <laughs> which really, we have failed at. I'm going to mute you. Sorry. Um, I'm just kidding about that. We were, that's really not a goal of the show because if that was our goal, we would be failures and feel bad about ourselves. And we prefer to be coddled and told that, that we're more than we are. <laughs> Hence the need for the iTunes review. So if you, <laughs> if you throw us that review, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, there are ways to send us vocal feedback if you like. Um, vocal feedback. <laughs> I just realized that was not the best. There's yeah. also ways to send us audio feedback if you'd like. Um, 205-575-9735 um, for uh, 
national livers. And if you're an international liver, uh, speakpipe.com slash the gospel friends. And yes, I know I said livers. It's an old joke. Yeah, you have to see previous episodes, which you can do if you go to our website, thegospelfriends.com, where all of the shows are listed. Okay, I got to tell you, this looks like gravel. Can I have milk and a spoon? Yep, this looks like gravel. Um, as as we're getting into the discussion about college football, which we're going to start, are we going to talk about college football? Oh, I did have a. I am so looking forward to that. I, I did have a question for you guys, based on the turn your head and cough comment. Have either of you two ever had a, a DRE? A doctor I mean, ready to eat? <laughs> no. Do not resuscitate? No. Well, said, that's, some good, that's some good initial parsing there, David. <laughs> the same initials. <laughs> what did you say, David? Do you not know, resuscitate. I mean, no, the thing that they tell you to turn your head and cough for. Um, yes, I had one like a long time ago, I think. Dang. See, I never have. I'm past the age that you're supposed to. But And you... No, you, you feel bad like you missed out? No, I'm oh. I'm glad. A little scared. But uh, <laughs> dang, how long did it take you to get over it? You know what? We may not be talking about the same thing. I, I had a physical when I was like 19 and they did that. Yeah, uh, wh- <laughs> Wait, what? 19? Yeah. Hey, bud, I think you were lied to. They said it was part of all the physicals they do. <laughs> Is that not the case? Uh-uh. I'm, I'm just kind of. I had a physical when we got licensed for foster care, and it did not include that. Okay, technically, the turn your head and cough thing is is a is a check for a hernia. I'm actually talking about the the thing that is supposed to be for older guys. Prostate. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, what no, I'm, I'm talking about. That, then. No, you, you neither, Nick. I'm glad we could talk about it on the show. You have. I have. Uh, how bad is it? I mean. Yes, I, I, the hernia thing is what I was talking about. Okay, yeah. yeah. No, that, look, I've had that. That's pretty bad. But why don't we discuss it off air? Chase? Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> why are I mean, we talking just, about this? You think about eating. <laughs> why are we talking about this? I don't know. You've met him, right? Well, what are we supposed to talk? Who started about? this? Uh, you. you did. All right. I'm eating this cereal, and and we're supposed to talk about college football because you guys want to for some reason. Uh, this is horrible. I mean, it, it, this is uh, this is absolutely. Horrible. I haven't tasted any yet. Can you pass your mason jar of milk, please? It is a gl- gluten-free brown rice flakes with semi-sweet chocolate chips. Have uh, you found the sw- semi-sweet chocolate chips? No. No. Oh, this I is think generally speaking, rice is gluten-free, is it not? So, like a gluten-free rice cereal, that's not that's no big deal. Um. All right. But, first of all. I probably need to go on my gluten-free rant. I understand that there are some people who actually need to be on a diet that is a gluten. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's bad. That's bad. Uh, that Some people need to be on a gluten-free diet. But I kind of feel like it's become trendy. Like, we don't have gluten, or I'm not eating gluten, or, you know, this is gluten-free. When yeah, people, same people, people are like just, CrossFit. Like people are just free. not doing it because they... They've gotten some kind of thought that, you know, it's good for them. That's my thought. Called marketing, David. Well, yeah. The, what I understand is just mainly for people with celiac disease is, is when you go gluten-free. I think some people, it actually, like, it will make them feel bad. You know. Oh, yeah. Unloadly. It could really damage their... Actually, I have a friend who, he would get sick for years, and he wouldn't realize, he had no idea why. He was going to the doctor, and they couldn't figure it out. And finally, to determine that he had a gluten allergy, and like he can get ill for days 
if he eats something with that has gluten in it. So that's a bummer. You want to give your friend a shout out? May don't listen to the show. Okay. Okay. I'm doing a live running list of shout outs that we've done so far. Oh, good. Who we got? We got uh, John Talley, Joel Osteen, aka Joe. Joel Olstein, Olstein, Samuel Lavelle, Nathan Martin, Josh Armstrong, Doctor Feelgood, and that's all so far. Was that a uh, James Bond movie? <laughs> Close. Okay, this is horrible. That was a Motley Crue song. I'm going to start us off. I'm giving it. Um, what's the lowest we can give? I guess zero. Or really, I thought it was one through five. Well, then one. Why did you ask? I was just verifying. All right, I'm giving it one. It's a one spooner. This is this is bad stuff. All right, it's not so good. I'm going to give the review my I, review. I curse Ow. whoever brought this to us. <laughs> Where did it to come me, from, Nick? That's <laughs> <laughs> not the first time he's cursed me today. Probably won't be the last. Um, for my personal eating, uh, whatever. No, it's Habits. a one. It's a one. Um, I'm not associating a habit with that cereal. Not even close. Um, it's a one. It's it's a, we're not buying that again. Now, I will say, if there is someone who has a gluten sensitivity and they want a, uh, what is it? A ricey, uh, semi-sweet double chocolate crunch. Yeah, it's, it's serviceable. Um, because if this is any sign of, of good gluten-free stuff... I, I'm sorry for the bad stuff you've had. Um, and so for... And yeah, we pray for you. Yeah, so for a gluten-sensitive person, this is probably a three or four spooner. Um, however, for mere mortals, it's it's getting one. Hmm. What you going to say there? Well, I'll tell you. The last cereal we reviewed on the show was uh, the vegan caco crisps, if y'all will remember. Yep. And I had a bad cold that day, and I tasted it, and you guys said it was pretty good. I think you gave it three, three and a half spoons. I actually drank the milk. I remember that. That's how good it was. And, and I was like, okay, three spoons. But I couldn't taste anything. Well, a couple of weeks later, I was feeling better, and I took the cereal home, and I ate some of it. Mm-hmm. That cereal was crap. You guys were crazy. <laughs> this cereal is, is, in my mind, slightly better than that. You're so, insane. All right, all right. So I have a soft spot in my heart for grape nuts cereal. Most people don't like it. Uh, I realize that. But grape nuts or grape rocks, as I like to call it, yep. is is like it's like a pretty good cereal to me, like a two and a half, two and three quarters. As far as healthy cereals go, grape nuts is not bad. Uh, I would put this right around there, two and a half spoons. It tastes like chocolate grape nuts, okay. and it does have eight grams of fiber per cup, which uh, for all of you out there concerned about DREs is is probably a, a handy thing for our, yeah, our elderly listeners. You know, guys around my age, like uh, Herschel Christ, Tony Vance. Uh, shout it's out not, to you guys. It's not Herschel Christ. Christ. You said Christ. I did not. You did too. I did not. My microphone malfunctioned. Okay. But for like a 29-year-old, like Chris guys Atwood. my age. Happy birthday to you, Chris Atwood. You're not as worried about fiber happy yet. Happy birthday to you. All right. Are we going to move on now and talk about um Yes, some, let's talk about college football. No. Uh, I thought we were going to talk about something serious. Well, we can get there eventually. Well, gentlemen, today is Sunday, December 12th. Wow. I'm sorry, day. December 6th. 
playoff day. <laughs> the rankings have come out. It's not December sixth. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's it not December twelfth. No, it's not December twelfth. So the play, playoffs have come out. The final rankings are here. Uh, Nick, how about you run down the dun, top dun, ten dun. for us, and let's see who's in there, and then we will, we will react to it. Um, I'm actually going to start. If we're going to do top ten, I'm going to start with number ten. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. Uh, I was that bored. Would, that would be the North Carolina Tar Heels. Did anybody okay. see that game last night? That was a close game. I didn't get to see it. I did. I did see some of it, and uh, North Carolina got got hosed at the end. Did they? That was a phantom offsides call. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. Hey, do you know who the um, defensive coordinator of North Carolina is? I do indeed. Who helped them get turned around this year? Gene Chizik. Gene Shout Chizik. out to you. Shout out to. Gene. I'm a little bit hoping that uh, GC GC ends up at Alabama this year. That'd be delightful. Uh, number nine, the Florida State Seminoles. Oh, Two you guys said he already. couldn't coach himself out of a wet paper bag a couple years ago, but well, he actually did coach himself out of a wet paper bag. Congratulations, DC Chizik. <laughs> First of all, um, all you guys is an inaccurate statement. Second of all, I think Chase it, said that. I think it was head coaching. I had an argument with Chase at number eight. Heroes is going to be the Notre Dame this. Fighting Irish. He said the only reason Auburn won the national championship in 2010 was had nothing to do with Gene Chizik. It was just Gus Malzahn. I stand by my statement. And I'm enjoying my two-and-a-half-star cereal, even though Number you guys have stopped. seven, the defending national champion, um, and their defense is over, uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Boo. You don't even like the Buckeyes, huh? Nope. The team who knocked Alabama out of the playoff last year. I don't. I was. What, what have you done for me lately? All right. Um, <laughs> podcast audience, you now who knows who? Never mind. All right. Number six, the Stanford Cardinal. How'd that game go last night with USC? Do you might see that? Mm-hmm. Wow, we are SEC homers. Okay. No, no, um, I saw some of it. Oh, hey, I stopped watching college football uh, last week. I'm done for till next year. I don't blame you. I don't blame you either, David. It's cool. There well, no, y'all some... have a nice bowl game lined, lined up, don't you? Mm-hmm. Who are y'all playing again? No. Memphis. Memphis. Now, how'd they do in the regular season? Didn't they beat an SEC team? They did. Who'd they beat, Chase? Oh, that's right. That was an impressive win. Now, how did you guys fare against Ole Miss? Hey, are you going to finish this, AJ? Hey, by the way, speaking of the Stanford Cardinal, there's a rumor this week that friend of the show Paul Feinbaum put out that if uh, Saban wins the national championship this year – he will move on to different pastures. Heard I that. believe we talked about that. Uh, for some reason, I think it was David that uh, sent us that message. Is he going to go to Stanford? Uh, no, I don't think he's going to go to Stanford, but uh, I will say no, this. Stanford. You I said, said, I said the Stanford. Okay, is he going to go to Stanford? No. Well, then what is this? You said I'm getting you said, there. Oh, gracious. It takes you forever are to you get okay? to a point. Are you okay? Have you ever heard yourself talk? Do you know, you, do you know why I called you, AJ? Please. Arrogant jerk. Go ahead. <laughs> that was funny. That was actually cruel. I feel bad for our friend Nick. I just wanted to point out that Auburn made it to a bowl game. They did. Congratulations, mm-hmm. Auburn. And they're playing a quality team. They are. Memphis is a good team. I hate both of you. <laughs> David you made Shaw. This bed, you might as well get comfortable. David Shaw, head coach of Stanford, would be my first choice if Nick Saban left. Would he? For Alabama coach. I am a huge David Shaw fan. In fact, I would say the Stanford Cardinals are my second favorite team in college football. Mm. Well, okay. David Shaw is an awesome guy. Mm. Just saying. I would pull for you guys to get that um, 
the dude that was at USC for a while. Steve Sarkeesian? No, the, he, he was <laughs> at USC, and before then he was at Ole Miss. Oh, Ed you Orgeron. Can't, you can't understand what he's saying. <laughs> Ed Orgeron, that's what I thought for you guys to get. At number five, um, a former playoff team, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, I Iowa, Iowa won two national championships uh, in the uh, on 1800s. X, on Xbox when I used to play. Nice. <laughs> That's beautiful. I think Ohio State, by the way, would house Iowa. Really? Oh, they would kill them. I like uh, Iowa. I like Kirk. Well, Ferris, we won't find out this year. So, no, uh, number four. So, the first team in. Actually, we might. The Oklahoma Sooners. Which, who expected them to be number four this Boomer week? Sooner. I, I think that was uh, I think that was a blessing for Alabama. This Alabama fan does not want to play Oklahoma. Um, at number three, the Michigan State Spartans. Sparty. Speaking of a team, this Alabama player, fan fan wants to play. There, there it is. There, you well, heard it. You heard it, Rob Johnson, right there. I love Rob. Chase. Man, I love wants, playing Michigan State. <laughs> Chase wants to play Michigan State. Well, he good wants news for them. you, Chase. Their opponent in the playoff number two is the Alabama Crimson Tide. Roll Tide. That's going to be a fun game. Go Tide. Yeah, Tad, Paul. I hope it's going to be a fun day game. I have a lot of respect for Michigan State. <laughs> you do not. You were bad mouthing them so much before this this started. That's not true. You said you said I'd rather play Michigan State than anybody. I said I'd rather play Michigan that State is- <laughs> than anybody else in the top six. That's not what you said. It is what he and said. And then I modified it and said, "No, wait, I'd rather play Iowa." You so said Northern Illinois Michigan scares State. me worse than Michigan State I does. I did not say that. I said I would rather play Michigan State than Clemson. Oklahoma, Stanford. That's all. And at number one. And Ohio State, I'll add them. The opponent of Oklahoma, the Clemson Tigers. So your bowl, your uh, New Year's, nope, it's December 31st, sorry. Uh, your matchup for the playoff, uh, the Clemson and Oklahoma will play at three Central Standard Time. So we need to get that going. And then Alabama and Michigan State when will is play this? at seven. December 31st, New Year's Eve. Okay. So right before I burn a Christmas tree. Oh, All right. Yeah. So, um, well, so Chase, let me let's do the rundown real quick, yeah, when, just yeah, to further let's, entrench. Let's David. roll. Let's roll through this quickly for those people who don't care. Let's do our picks. Uh, Chase, okay. who would you rather? So, out of the top ten, who would you most want to play? Out of the top ten, yeah. Uh, Notre Dame or North Carolina. Okay, I'm probably I'm probably or Iowa, one of those three. I'm probably most with you. <clears throat> who would you the most facts, want to play out the of the top of ten? Who? What? Oh, well, I I guess you guys don't think that way. Okay, next question. I hate you guys even worse <laughs> than I did before. <laughs> who do you think Auburn stacks up best against in the top ten? I'm serious. Your mom. <laughs> Actually, I think your mom could beat Auburn. Wow. <laughs> wow. David has turned on his own team. Nick, your mom, comes in at number 13. Uh, I'm sorry, number 14, right behind Northwestern. <laughs> Nick's mom has a fast first step. Well, you can't, you can't deny that about Nick's mom. That's what everybody's always saying about Nick's mom. <laughs> what has happened? Did you somehow caused this? Did your mom listen to the podcast? No. Okay. What's her record this year? Actually, this one list time doesn't she say. Did, she did download an episode or two. One. Well, let's hope she doesn't download <laughs> episode eighty. There you go. All right. Um, so let's give Clemson their due and, and go with their game last. Uh, what do you think the uh, the outcome of the Alabama Michigan State game is, <laughs> David? <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here between 
two of the biggest Bama homers. Second only to JT. So I know who you guys are going to pick. But um, I'm, I'm going to – so tr- trivia answer here. I'm actually – I consider Michigan State my second favorite college football team. This year? Not – nope, not this year. I actually have a Michigan State hoodie in my closet that I will be wearing a lot over the next few weeks. <laughs> but uh, so a couple years ago when Auburn Auburn beat Alabama uh, and went to the SEC Championship and beat Missouri – the only way Auburn was going to make it to the national championship game to play Florida State was if Michigan State was able to beat Ohio State, and Michigan State did. They beat Ohio State, and Auburn got to the to the national championship. And so I ordered myself a Michigan State hoodie and pledged my second allegiance to them out of love for their assistance what year was to this? Auburn. 2013. The last, then the last national championship game we went to. And play Florida State. So uh, I got I me. Uh, Auburn was going to make the championship game no matter what. No, they weren't. They they oh, wow. beat Missouri, and we had no. Uh, you know, they Michigan State. They had needed to help beat. to get. Yep. Okay, okay. Michigan State. So I ordered that hoodie and um, been wearing it proudly ever since. So I consider them my my second team ever since then. So go MSU, Sparty on. Oh, Rob Johnson. Oh, there's a shout out for him. He is uh, cheering right along with you. What I think you, Alabama beats them by eleven. That's my prediction. You think about eleven. Yeah, let, let me say twelve. I'll go. To, I'll go twelve there. Of the, I I do agree with Chase. Out of the three opponents in the top four, um, Michigan State's probably the one I would want to play first. I just think, um, I think Bama has the best chance against them. And look, I have loads of respect for Michigan State. No, no doubt, great program, great Whatever. team, great you coach, you, great look, character. You have shifted into all Alabama fans are the same mode. And you have shifted into not able to have a rational conversation, even if it's a rational Bama fan. So they play a largely pro style offense, and just mm-hmm. so happens that Alabama matches up really well against. Never met style. a rational Alabama fan. I don't know if I can have a conversation with them or not. All right, were not your words a week ago, but alas. <laughs> um, all right, and so in the uh, the Clemson Oklahoma game, David, uh, I'm going to go Oklahoma because. Um, Clemson's always choked in the big games as far as modern era. So, until they prove me wrong, I'm going to go Oklahoma. Chase? Oklahoma by 10. Okay. Um, Though I'd rather play Clemson. I see, and I'm of the mind that I actually think Oklahoma pulls it out. They are just – the hope – the well, the – as I would rather play Clemson, the hope there is that the 25-day – or whatever it is, delay between now and that game. Some of their because uh, they're on kind of a run. They just they got hot towards the end of the season, um, and maybe you hope that cools a little bit. But um, I'm hoping for a Clemson win, as I would not want to play Oklahoma. But I do think it is Oklahoma and Alabama in the final. So um, with that, you have Oklahoma and Michigan State in the final. Who do you think actually takes home? Oh Dr. well. Pepper? College football. Who am I pulling for, or who do I think? No, I'm asking. What are we going to get? What we're doing? I'm I'm going. Michigan State is, you know, is is who I'm pulling for all the way. Right. Who do you think is going to win? Um. Yeah. Hey, look. I'm. I don't have a dog in this fight, so I'm just going to go Michigan State all the way. Okay, Chase. Who do I think wins the national championship? Yeah, you've got based on your drum roll. This is this is suspenseful. Who's he going to pick? You've actually got Oklahoma and Alabama playing in the final. Do you think Bama can get it done this postseason? I think, they I, think if that, I think if that game is played ten times, 
Uh, Alabama wins six out of ten. So I, I'm going to say Alabama. Oh! Did, did that shock, shock the world? The world. <laughs> and speaking of shock the world, I got wait a minute, wait a minute. We got to shock the world too. Gritties in my. Who's team. Nick going to pick? I'm actually not going to pick because I don't know. I don't know that Alabama can beat Oklahoma. I don't. So I'm. I love, I'm not crazy about playing Oklahoma. All right. Well, that might be enough college football talk. What do you? I think? texted Rob Johnson a couple of quotes from you. Nice. I'll we'll see so how they just, just stirring up, stirring up the pot. Here's hoping Rob actually listens to the show so he gets Look, the correct t- my, content. So the co- my team imploded context. this year. So I'm I'm like a I'm just like a like a wounded animal. If you come near me, I'm gonna lash out. Yeah, you have. You've been oh you've been in a bad mood all day. I've been worried about you. <laughs> well, we just we got issues. But anyway, let's. Uh, Wait, you and I got issues? No, 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 no. Oh, I was gonna say my, my football. I'm hurt. Team. Oh, okay. All right, let's hey, talk about something besides college football. Let's, let's do. I'll, some of us are not interested in that anymore. Probably not. Like me. we're probably losing the lady listeners of the podcast. And and, and another thing that is because women can't like college football. Well, that you chauvinist, sexist. Plus, all the shout-outs we've done so far. Yeah, we can say sexist. Okay. Sexist. All the shout-outs we've done so far have been men, except for your mom. So, And your mom's not a man. Not, not, a, not a man at all. I would, I would vote to agree Although she with tackles David. like a man. <laughs> she, she does, and she kicks like a man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can think of another reason that that some women might not want to listen to the podcast. Maybe the maturity level is a little too high for them. I'll go back to our life verse. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably, probably. So, is there any uh, any any lady members of the podcast audience y'all would want to shout out? <laughs> That's just about the stupidest thing that I've ever heard. Man, you're just so mad today. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna shout out my wife. How about that? <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, hey, honey! Shout out to Allison. That's that's good. Way to make it awkward, David. Thank you. Right. Who do you want to shout out? Huh? What? Who are you going to shout out? I, I didn't hear you well. I'm sorry. I think your mic is breaking up. Okay. All right. You going to shout out any girls? Not not yet. Okay. I, I don't believe in uh, um, affirmative action as a word. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I will say. Apparently, um, last week you and I interrupted uh, Debbie Atwood's dancing. Um, someone called us out about that on Twitter. I don't remember or, interrupting sorry, anyone's dancing. I don't remember interrupting that either. Yeah, I don't know. I don't That's know what that was about. It was probably. I think. Um, I, I think Debbie dances to the uh, outro music. That, right. Um, and so I think we. I didn't think we interrupted it. Last yeah, week. you probably did some kind of weird editing thing. Oh. <laughs> uh, now we had our uh, apologies, Debbie. We're we're sorry. Hey, now, the last shout out to Debbie Atwood. I already put that. Okay. All right, so what are we talking about now? Let's move on. Well, okay. You want to do something Christmassy? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Almost it is the most wonderful time of the year. So the most wonderful. This is one of those kind of uh, swerve the hard to the left here. By the way, the, uh, the music, the, the 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 noise, the clicking noise that you have been listening to the entire show is Nick playing with a knife. Yeah. Well, Just in case any. This is Alabama. I mean. It's amazing we haven't shot each other yet with all of our guns that we carry around. I've thought about it. I, I, I'm wow. surprised you in particular have not shot You're anti-gun, so I don't have anything to fear. I've got a nice knife, and I am also not anti-gun. I also have guns. 
for all of you thugs thinking about, oh, wait, I can't say that anymore, can I? Wow. Mm. Mm. Good job. Hey, it's Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Beautiful. Wonderful time. And this week, the Daily News has uh, has come out with an interesting headline in regards to the California mass shooting that happened last week in San Bernardino. That headline reads, God isn't fixing this. And it was essentially a commentary, as many people have done this week, on many of the Republican candidates and other uh, members of the media, clergy, etc., who tweeted, posted, talked on the news about how they were praying for California, praying for San Bernardino, praying in the aftermath of this shooting, um, with the implication that praying about something is silly. We need to do something about it. Um, Hillary Clinton and some of the other Democratic candidates, uh, as well as Barack Obama, have all come out and called for um, various levels of gun control in response to this and other mass shootings. And many of the Republican candidates have basically come out calling for more prayer in response to the mass shootings. And the New York Daily News says God is not fixing this. So kind of starting with David, I'll throw it to you guys initially. We're going to talk for a minute later on about a Denny Burke article that actually makes the case that God is indeed fixing this. But first to you guys, do you find the Daily News headline which at least seems to a lot of people to be denigrating to prayer, uh, if not God himself. Do you find this a troubling sort of thing? Um, I mean, I, okay, I'm going to say no. Um, from the standpoint of I, I would not expect them to take a, any other approach. You know, we, we've talked before on the podcast, and I, I think it's the general who's kind of fond of saying that you know Christians should not always be outraged about what non-Christians are saying or that non-Christians are not you know are finding gospel things uh, silly and so you know from that standpoint I, it I'm not blown away mad about it because I mean I would not expect a Secular newspaper, newspaper with secular, a secular mindset to really take any other approach. So I have a lot to say about it and and the truth in the headline. But as far as you know, is this something that I am outraged over and I'm going to rant about? No, I mean I, I really would not expect something different from uh, you know a secular media outlet. Yeah, that's that was my thought exactly. As I, I was. I was frustrated by it. I, I was just like, it did frustrate me. It did offend me, honestly. But it, is, it was one of those things like, okay, now we're here. It wasn't a matter of if we got to this point in America. It was a matter of when, and we're now we're here. So, I, you know. I, th- I think it makes a flawed assumption mm-hmm. that just because you're praying about something, um, it means that you don't think there are any other solutions. So, so for example, I think on the on the right side, the conservative side, I believe there are many, many churches and many, many organizations that pray for the abortion issue and pray for something, um, you know, pray for 
um, uh, you know, people who are thinking about abortions and pray about the abortion epidemic in our country. And so they, they pray about that, and they encourage other people to pray about it. That does not mean that they do not think there needs to be a political move done or some type of legislation passed. I, as a matter of fact, I quite honestly think that most conservatives believe that. They, they do believe there needs to be a change in law. But so just the fact that they're praying for someone or praying for an issue does not mean that for them that there's not a tangible action that should happen. So I think it's, it's kind of a flawed assumption from the beginning. I, I agree. I, I look. I think. I think this is actually shows you a bit of a mindset gulf, not between Republicans and Democrats so much. This is not to me a conservative liberal issue, but but I, I think there's a more significant gulf at play here. In that, those who are politically bent. Look at all of these mass shootings. And if you really look at it, there's been hundreds, literally hundreds of mass shootings in the United States of America this year if you define a shooting, a mass shooting as one in which more than four people have been killed. Uh, there have been hundreds this year, which is really astonishing. And uh, somebody that's more politically oriented is going to look at that and say the solution to this is better laws. Uh, more laws, more restrictions, gun control, etc. If we can have the right laws in place, we can fix this. But honestly, I don't think ultimately, and I, we've talked about gun control uh, multiple times on the show. There are, uh, I am, uh, I, I'm a believer in our Second Amendment rights. Although I am fine with sensible gun controls, I believe uh, th- that that might be good and necessary to have some changes. In some cases, that said, that is not going to fix the problem. Yeah. It's not going to fix the problem of of, of evil. Essentially, these people that uh, perpetuated this crime, um, you know, we we still at this the point we're recording, we don't know exactly what happened. It's obviously some somehow connected to ISIS, somehow connected to terrorism, but gun laws is not uh, are not going to change that. I think praying is something that actually goes to the human heart, that actually goes um, to the root cause of the incident. So whereas somebody might say praying is is actually ineffective um, and uh, merely words, I would say actually prayer ultimately has more uh, more of a focus on the root cause of the situation than politics does. Well, and I, and I think from – this is where I'm, I'm coming from, from the statement of, like you're saying, if, if you have somebody who has a, a, a much – a more political mindset and they consider political solutions, political action to be necessary, and for them, they are not – they do not have a um, uh, a, a mindset – or a thought process where God enters into the equation, then, I mean, it would seem silly to just pray about something and not take action. I mean, the Bible talks about the the gospel, the cross of Jesus is foolishness to those who are perishing. So there is this distinct uh, separation that is placed out in Scripture that those who know Jesus and have his mindset, they're going to think a certain way 
Um, and those who do not know Christ are going to think a different way looking at the same issue. And so I think, and I don't think all Christians do this. I think we are called first and foremost to a gospel mindset and gospel heart. And I think we are called as followers of God to trust in his strength above all things. Uh, he says in t- to Jeremiah, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. So even though that's contrary to everything that we're kind of raised, especially in the U.S., to, to kind of think, um, the Bible is not about us getting us to a point of relying on ourselves or our own strength. Yeah. It is about getting us to think, first and foremost, to look to God and trust in Him. But that is not a mindset that you are going to have apart from the Holy Spirit. So it certainly makes sense that secular groups who do not know God would first and foremost look for political solutions. And I think there are Christians who all of us are probably tempted to think along those lines as well. But the head, that's why the headline didn't surprise me um, a lot is, is because I, I can understand that mindset if you have no thought process about needing God. Well, the, yes, from a secular mindset, but I even know believers um, – not all, but some that just uh, – I said I wasn't surprised by the article, which makes me sound like I'm resigned to this is what it is and we shouldn't pray. And I, I don't agree with that. I think we should pray. I think um, I think the Word actually kind of calls you to pray for your leaders, but then not – but at the same time recognize that you know your hope is in Christ. Your hope is in, is in God, not, um, not leaders. Your safety um, is in God and, and all – utterly eternal salvation, not in, in leaders. But that's not that's that doesn't release you or or cause you to not pray for them. Um but I, I even see believers that kind of just go, This is the world, um and in America we have um they would even say the common grace of democracy. Mm. And so we are going to look for a democratic solution rather than Commit it to prayer, and 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 that kind of even troubles me. And, I, and I'm not I'm not trying to minimize democracy. I, I think praise God that we were afforded that right. But again, to look at that as your primary solution just concerns me. Well, um, but okay. So you bring up an interesting point. It's one that I kind of wanted to to mention as well. So this is fresh on my mind because we had a discussion with someone who goes to our church. Um, we had this discussion on Wednesday night here at the Hall of Dogma Church, and uh, we talked about it in our service today. Uh, going to Psalm 81, 80, 81 um, and I'll read you part of it. Um, God says, listen to me, O my people, while I give you stern warnings. O Israel, if you would only listen to me. Um, but no, my people wouldn't listen. Israel did not want me around, so I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their own ideas. And um, so the, the the gentleman that was sharing this morning was talking about essentially how, you know, there's we, – we sometimes tend to have this idea that in the New Covenant that we just always live in the blessings of God, but that from a – there, there's understanding from certain scriptures, such as Psalm 81, that there may be times in your life where God does desire to bless you 
but you are not listening to him. You are not following him and what he is telling you to do. And because of that, he is withholding a blessing yeah. or, or, or allowing you to go through uh, difficulty. Yeah, that... uh, allowing the enemy to pummel you. When, when the word says he longs to protect you. All right, so in that case, so let, let's let me let me try to um, let's say that um, I was I'm having problems in my marriage, and uh, I'm not. But let's say that I, that I was, and that part of like <laughs> what you guys you shot on the whole <clears throat> dog. Me, I'm coming to you guys, and I'm asking you on a continual basis, guys. I need you to pray for me, yeah. and Allison. And what you guys know is that every night when I leave work, I go to a bar. And I, I drink for about an hour and and I hang out with people Explain that I so much. I hang out with people that I should not. Uh, and so maybe I'm I'm sinning, I'm getting drunk. Maybe I even go to a strip club or something. And I have heard rumors. And and this is creating all these difficulties and th- that is the basic source of the difficulties is is not only am I not leading my family, not I'm not pastoring them, yeah. but I'm, I'm off in sin. Exactly. And you guys say to me, David, you have got to repent. You have got to stop getting drunk a couple of nights a week and going to strip clubs, and you have got to pastor your family and line your life up according to the Word. Right. And I refuse to do that. I just refuse to it. But I keep coming to you guys and saying, guys, pray for me. Pray for my marriage. I mean, is there a point where you would say, David, God's not fixing this? Uh, that's that's actually an interesting question. Yeah. There, I it's will not say this. just prayer. You've got to repent. You've got to do something to stop this that is happening. That is true. I, I will say though, John, First uh, John five, we are told when we see somebody in the church, a brother sinning, we are told to pray for them that life might come. And ultimately, I think I think praying for somebody sinning so that life might come and calling them to repent in a godly anointed way, both both will end up doing the same thing. I think you're absolutely right that that if you're behaving the way you claim not to be behaving, but if you <laughs> I am were, not. if you are going to the strip club, et cetera, you're going to be reaping what you've sown, uh, which is destruction. And the only solution to that is to repent. But we can pray for people who are sinning in that way and and heaping destruction on their lives. I, I, I think in the in the in the sense of trying to get my attention, saying, "David, God's not going to fix this without." But you might could say, um, "David," to still Denny Burke's line that you're going to share with us in a moment. David, God's already fixed this, but you need to repent and line your life up with His. Yeah, and so I mean, I, I don't think. That we live in blessings with, you know, part of our effort and part of God's effort. I do think we live mostly, or, or we live in the blessings of God through lining our life up with His Word. And, uh, but I mean, there there are times where I mean, I think we've all probably ran into this situation, maybe in our own lives or in the life of someone else, and people will ask you, maybe pray about this financial problem or pray about this health issue. And you know that they're reap, they're reaping what they sowed. Okay. They're not living a healthy lifestyle or they're not managing their money. Well, they're wasting their money and, and they want you to pray for them and pray for the situation. But there is, they need to line up their, line up their situation and their circumstances with what God has 
has said for them. So, so then you, you become pray better for them to repent, and you counsel them to repent. Yes, and and part of your counsel is this is the situation is not going to change until you do repent, because you're putting yourself outside of the protection of God. Yes. So, not not being, not trying to say that gun control is God's direction. But I'm, I am saying that from people who would say, Nick, you know, that there are political solutions needed, Christians who would say that. I think there is a part of that that you could rightly say, yes, we need to pray, but we have laws, going back to abortion for a moment, and those laws need to be changed in this country in order for there to be a, a good solution or a, a good situation here. So... You you wouldn't go so so far as to say God's not fixing this, but you also wouldn't write off the need for political changes to happen because we do have laws right now that in, in the abortion realm that are reverse of what God has said. So you know, so I can understand why they would want a political. Yes, I, I can understand why they would want to change things politically and change things by the law because that's needed. My concern is the believers who have given up. Given up is too strong, but just depend on the the government rather than depend on the Lord and choose to work in the government. I agree. I mean, in this case, we'd be praying for God to change the government. Right. And, and I'm not advocating not praying. I don't want anybody to think that. I, I'm not advocating that we don't pray. Um, but, Chase, you preached this morning and actually used the line, prayer does not change things. Correct. Prayer is not in, intrinsically powerful. You yes. want to explain what you were... Well, I I, I kind of shared that I have a mug given to me by my dear wife. That's a beautiful mug, and it says prayer changes things, which is which is false. Uh, there's no power in prayer intrinsically any more than there's power in an unplugged extension cord. <laughs> Hashtag shout out, clarification. Shout out to Allison, Allison McConnell. Uh, her third shout out of the day, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no power in an unplugged electrical cord. There's no power in prayer in and of itself. The power is in God. And of course, James tells us that there is power in the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person, but the power in that is because it's rooted in God. So you can just pray and pray amiss, uh, as James also talks about. Um, You can pray ineffective prayers. You can pray hours a day ineffectively. I believe, uh, for instance, that every time the Muslim call to prayer sounds in cities around the world, time is being wasted at best, and at worst, the enemy is being honored. That is not – that. those are people are praying, but they're not praying uh, fruitfully and effectively. There's no power in that prayer. David Platt used to say everybody prays from Buddhists to Muslims to every wino you've ever met on the street. Yes. But you would not go to one of those people if your life depended on a prayer being heard. Precisely. It, you, you're going to go to someone who you know has God's ear. Yes. The true yes. God. That is the kind of prayer that is that is effective. And let me say this too. I, I think you guys would all agree with this, but just for a point of clarification, I don't think any of us thinks that legislation is the solution to mass shootings. I don't think – look, there are some gun control measures I would 
essentially vote for, a few of them. But I don't think even if Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama or whoever was able to ram all of the gun control measures they wanted to down the throats of Americans, which I would oppose stridently, I, I don't believe that gun control is going to solve this problem. Could it mitigate it in some cases? Perhaps. So is it going to solve the problem? Absolutely not because laws don't change hearts. No, I, look, I, I, absolutely. I don't want these two issues, what we're talking about, to get um, – Convoluted here. I, I don't think gun control, gun laws, is going to ch- is going to change this. I, I think there may be some sensible measures to take. I, I'm not a Barack Obama fan. I'm not a Democrat or a liberal. And, and I don't believe any of us are card carrying NRA people. I'm not as well. that. Not that either. I happen to think that when the Democrats say, "If you're on the no-fly list, you shouldn't be able to buy a gun." I kind of think that makes sense to me. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I think there are some measures that we can take that are decently sensible. I was simply talking, though, about the here's here's these people who are looking at what's happening and they're looking at, of course, it's political for them because they're looking at these GOP candidates and saying, you know, that that are saying, we're praying for San Bernardino, we're praying for Paris, and they're just like, God's not going to fix this. We got to do something. And, and, and I'm just talking about that issue from a Christian perspective. You know, I always think we should pray. I think God calls us to pray to him. But from a Christian perspective, there is some truth in there is action that needs to go along with your faith. The, James talks about that. We are not merely called to pray. We are not merely called to to pray. We are called to pray and listen and pray and do what God says and pray and follow his word and pray for the courage and the power to be able to obey him. So it's it's not just let's, let's pray about this. It's let's pray about this and seek wisdom and let's do what God points us to do or what his word points us to do. Well, Faith what, without works is dead. In light of that, and I've, this question kind of came up and, and we, we ask similar questions like this a lot. So the you know the pastoral um, answer kind of is what I'm looking for here to the to the believer who is growing weary looking at the state of our world and and I probably know what the answer is so this is more just kind of I guess classroom talk maybe for for folks who are getting this question in the audience and, and they may be struggling for what to say sometimes but you know for the believer who is growing weary looking around the world or who is growing weary in the office as they are praying, they're praying diligently. They are um, they are doing the things we are quote unquote prescribing, but they just feel hopeless. Or they people are looking to them and asking the question about their God fixing this. What is your pastoral encouragement or exhortation to those um, that just you know they need their own kind of glimmer of hope? I guess you would say. Well, here's here's hope. We have eternal life in Jesus. If your hope is in the condition of the world uh, or the condition of America or whatever, your hope will fail. Because uh, 1 John 5, as we talked about this morning, the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. So if your expectation is the world is going to get better, um, the world is not going to get better until Jesus comes and puts his foot down into the world for that, that final second coming. Um, until then, it may go from bad to worse, I, you know, unless the post-millennialists are right, and then we'll make it better, and then he'll come back. But I don't <laughs> believe that's true at all. I believe uh, Paul talks about there are going to be dark times in the last days. 
so I don't have a lot of hope for where our world is he- heading. Uh, will there be periods where things get better? Sure, maybe, maybe not. But if your hope is in the condition of the world improving, I don't have great news for you. I hope that doesn't sound like fatalism. My hope is in Jesus and his return. And and, and I, I don't think we, we, we cannot, as Christians, um, you know, uh, um, not uh, we we cannot as Christians seek a purely political solution to issues. I mean, as you've been saying, it's just not it, it's not plausible. We must we must pray, must follow, um, and trust in God and trust in Christ, and and not look you know passing the right laws are not not going to fix all the problems. At the same time, I think as Christians we can't separate ourselves from from the laws we cannot separate what how we vote from uh what god says about issues and quite honestly i I think there are i've met i meet people a lot who seem to just kind of i don't know separate those two things i'm a christian um but you know i'm gonna i'm gonna vote for these candidates who are pro-abortion and pro-homosexual marriage because i don't think we can push faith on anyone I don't think we can push belief on anyone, and I you know, agree with those. We, we can't push faith on anyone. But Jesus told us to pray to God, thy kingdom come, yes. thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are told by Christ to pray that this world would look as close as it can to the kingdom of heaven. So I think we should vote in that way. I think we should live in that way. I think we should run our households as closely as we can to how the Bible lines up the kingdom of God looking. And I think we should vote for people who will order our governments to look as closely as it can on this earth to um, what what God's kingdom looks like. I think that's what Christ told us to, to pray for and to seek. Amen. Amen. Good word. I'll close out with a, a quote from our uh, friend of the show, C.S. Lewis. Wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight at the sound of his roar. Sorrows will be no more when he bares his teeth. Winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, we shall have spring again. That is referring to Aslan, but ultimately is referring to the second coming and the the glorious hope of that second coming. And that is ultimately what we have to look forward to. Amen. Amen. Amen, indeed. You're the one who gets to take us out after that. That was good and heavy. I get to take us out. I never take us out. Well, you, you start the process. And then... Oh. Well, Nick, Chase, it's been good being with you today. It has. I, that's not what you were saying earlier. Oh, what, do I, what did I say earlier? I'm so confused right now. Okay. Do we need to shout out anybody else before we go? Are we supposed to be doing something? Kristen Brown, noted Alabama fan and so... a friend of David. Anybody yeah, else? Shout out, Kristen. Christy Hicks, Ann Talley. I mean, Rachel Christ, Kathy. Christy is not a Alabama fan. Um, Ann Talley is. Yes, Ann Talley is. Ann Talley may be a bigger Alabama fan than either one of you two guys put together. She is passionate. If you're a Bama homer and you're a girl, unrelated topic, mm. what is that? Are you a homerette? 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 Homerette, I think, is probably what okay. it is. All right. Homers and Homerettes. You could be an Auburn Homer, too. Oh, well, yes, he could be. Um, no, I, 
Oh, Lord. Please tell me how you're not an Auburn homer. Please, go ahead. I have tried to explain this to you guys before. I, I, will, I will explain it again. Please. It is very difficult for Auburn fans to be homers because Auburn fans, for the most part, assume that something bad will happen and they will always lose. Where Alabama fans assume they will always win, and if they do lose, it was because they beat themselves, not because someone beat them. So it, it's very difficult to be a homer and an Auburn person. Okay, you don't talk to some of the Auburn people. I do. Um, and so with that, um, if you would like to chime in on your definition of a football homer or, more constructively, um, one of these topics, the main place that discussion happens is the Hall of Dogma at hallofdogma.com. Um, but we'd love any correspondence, any way you want to get it to us, Twitter, at my gospel friends or email, thegospelfriends at gmail.com. Um, voicemail is also an option, as mentioned, 205 575 9735 or speakpipe.com slash the gospel friends. Um, show notes for the show, the articles, um, the things we have links to, uh, including the college football top 10, David, um, are going to be available on our website, the gospel friends.com. <laughs> and I'm scared for what I'm about to have to do. I tried to delay this as long as possible. Uh, but tune in next week when you may hear uh, Captain Happy say, You know what? Well, Boomer sooner. Oh. Go Tigers. Sparty on anyone but Alabama. Hell to the king, baby. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine.